0: Welcome to another episode of the Infertility Feelings Podcast. I am Jesse Brown with Doug Brown, and we're excited to discuss today, let's just jump right into it, life after infertility. And what does that feel like?
1: What do you mean by life after infertility? Mm,
0: Good question. Means when you move on or get pregnant, adopt, whatever, after infertility. What is that like? Um, I think for me, I think this is a very important thing to talk about because I think infertility is hard to talk about in general, but this piece is big. And I think this can actually lead to more isolation because now you're pregnant, now you've adopted, now you can associate with that group. And now you are left, quote unquote, left out, or you feel left out, maybe by accident, from the infertility group so now i feel like what i've observed is it leads to more isolation and more like i don't have a group to fit in because i go and now i'm pregnant after years of infertility and i go hang out with my mom friends and they all have 17 kids so i don't really fit in there so just like how do you do that and what does that feel like
1: Oof, that's a big one yeah let's break it (laughs) let's break it down let's break it down yeah let's break it down I think the first thing that we need to do is define what we mean by moving on from infertility or even like life after infertility. What exactly do we mean by that? For me, that means whatever comes after this season for you. For us, we went through an IUI round. We did an IVF round. And then we made this transition. We were still open to more IVF. Um, but we made this transition to starting to pursue adoption and what would come after that. So it felt like we were moving on to something else. Um, for mm-hmm. an, I think for a lot of people, it could be, gosh, it could be a million different things, right? It could be moving on to not having kids at all. It could be actually getting pregnant. Um, and I know, like, there's a lot of clinics. I don't know if it's I I don't know if it is a good thing or a bad thing, I, or if I don't know how, if it's helpful or unhelpful. It seems like it's really awesome, but they'll say like you graduated from the clinic right, or something, right, you know? Right. And it's like I graduated from my from my clinic, I, just so even in that, there's a sense of moving on, right? Right. Right. And I think for a lot of people, they're hoping to move on someday. They're hoping to have you know a life after what they're living well in. that is infertility. i don't think they want to live in this forever right no, yeah that is
0: infertility is you're racing for that goal you're trying to check right. that box right. everyone that is in that world when you're in a season of trying is trying to achieve the box check
1: i have a question for you when you uh, yes. when it, when you went into infertility how long did you think it was going to last so go back like God you know Jesus. first consultation were you like all right I'm going to be here for the next five years. Or was it like, okay, um, I, see, I see it's a March, so it's going to be three months. You know, whatever it was.
0: A hundred percent that one. Like, yeah. <laughs> I thought it would end tomorrow. Like, yeah, like even when like, we yeah. weren't in treatment, I would think, oh, this time we're going to get pregnant this month. Yeah. So I, it was never a long game to me. Right. Ever a long game. It was get to my goal immediately as soon as possible. If IUI is going to get there, great. If IVF is going to get there, great. Like, I yeah. am ready. And I think we actually went through it kind of fast. But I think because we had that mindset of, and looking back, I wish I would have had more breaks and paused almost a little bit to be like, what the heck is going on to my life? But no, I was no long game, no long-term plan. And I think that infertility can make you that way where you're standing so close to the painting. You're standing so close to something that you don't see wide. So I don't know if that's everyone, but for me, it was not a long game.
1: I know, and I feel like it accidentally becomes such a long thing because when you're dealing with infertility, you deal in months, you know? It's not like, okay, so next week, then next week. It's like, well, we got to wait a month, then another month. And there's only 12 months in a year. Right, right. (laughs) So it's like all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, what? Or, 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 you know, they say, okay, let's wait till your next cycle. It's like,
0: that's three and a half weeks away. Right, right. And I think when you are particularly in a marriage, I mean, it could be partnership, whatever, but it's like you... (laughs) or you have that moment where you're off the birth control moment that's even moving on that's even graduating to something you know what i mean so i think that 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 can like that's where it feels like a short game because you're Mm -hmm. not thinking about the long game you just went through all this time where you were trying to prevent and now it's like okay now it's time right now it's time it's just gonna spring up like a bunch of bunnies you know what i mean yeah
1: that's true there is we don't think about it as a long process. You know, we really think of it. Our culture even just thinks of it as a short process, you know, Mm -hmm. something, something that it's like, okay, you know, maybe, you know, it takes a couple months or something like that. Which is
0: actually really cool in a way of even just us being more vocal with our story. Our community around us has kind of changed their language i yeah. like, well, you know, if it happens in a in this time, great. If it doesn't, you know, it was going to try for a while and may take some time. Like, I feel like it's kind of changing that language of like that it that you should think about it maybe more as a long game. It could right. happen to you in that way,
1: right? So everyone is hoping someday to move on, right? Right. Whether um, that's they, we hope that we move on to options that we love, mm-hmm. but for a lot of people, we move on to options that we feel as forced, the right word, uh, but maybe it is, that we feel like we're forced into, you know? What do you mean? Like um, sometimes people live a childless life because they feel like there's, there's, the doors have been shut, you know, and they right. can't go on anymore. And it's not mentally right. even healthy for them to go on anymore. Um, or they want to grow their family. And the, uh, like, you know, the quote-unquote only option is for them to pursue, you know, a certain pathway. Right. And those options kind of feel like, well, there's nothing left. You know, we're kind of for- forced to go down this road. Right. So so I think everyone is 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 moving on one day. Um what a crazy idea. That that we we talk about it before. We've talked about it before but I think it's worth repeating, is that infertility is life-changing. Absolutely. And yes, it's, it's life-changing because it's the stressful, traumatic thing that we go through, but, but it's a season of our life that fundamentally changes who we are and our relationships and our life because either we're going to get pregnant or we're going to move on to some other thing that uh, all the outcomes are life-changing. Um, and, and that moving on is a really important part of infertility. And Mm -hmm. I think we have to, it's worth talking about because Mm -hmm. our podcast is called Infertility Feelings Podcast. Mm -hmm. I think the question comes up, what does it feel like to move on?
0: So what does it feel like to move on? With infertility, you can have this big sense of identity, because it kind of can swallow every piece of you. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, um, moving on and transitioning on to adoption, but I think it plays into pregnancy or anything, was I feel like I couldn't complain. Mm. I couldn't complain when it was hard. I couldn't complain, and I'm, I'm assuming someone with pregnancy couldn't complain about feeling sick, couldn't complain about having no sleep. You know, all those things, you just feel like this weight of like, but you got what you wanted. Mm -hmm. you came in beat up, but you got what you wanted and you know what I mean? And you're just constantly like in your head again. And that's what infertility is, is it's like all in your head. And then you go on to motherhood, whether it's adoption or pregnancy or anything. And you constantly are in your head. Like I should just be grateful for this. He's screaming for two hours, but I should be grateful for this. You know what I mean? And it just feels like you have no right to complain about anything. Right. And that is just not true. And that can lead to more isolation. A hundred percent because, and then why do we
1: feel that way? like why is it do, do we feel like i think i think do we feel like oh we should be lucky because like yes with this almost wasn't even possible for you and or and you got pregnant or 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 you adopted or whatever it is it's like you are lucky because you were really you really were screwed right <laughs> and this is just you're what a miracle you, you've been thrown a bone kind of like you should just not complain is that did you really feel that way i felt that way a little bit but um
0: two things it's what people say period mm-hmm. oh my gosh you got your miracle. You know mm. what I mean. He's so you can't lucky complain about you. a miracle. He can't complain about a miracle. There's <laughs> nothing bad about a miracle. Those. So I think it's just our culture. Our culture makes our make it makes us think that. Yeah. And then number two, you make yourself think that because you're. You're constantly in that zone of like, wow, exactly, miracle. It's like, wow, this happened to me. I finally had it, and then you almost feel guilty for still, for me, still feeling anxiety, still feeling. I remember what was really hard is I felt like my life went into first gear, Mm. of like I'm going on the freeway. I'm in fifth gear, and you have a kid and your life goes into first gear and I just felt like I had to make every moment like Cinderella like the curtains are open and mice are gonna make our clothing and it's just gonna be this great (laughs) thing and you know and I just felt like I had to make every day great and there were there were days that were not great and I just felt like I couldn't even call and reach out because it would be it would have like a tinge of like isn't this something you wanted isn't this what you've been desperate to get you know what I mean and that didn't even happen I never called one person and they told me that
1: ever. It was all in my
0: mind. It was all me. You know, of course, if I would have called my mom, I I did many times call my mom and vent. And, you know, she was, of course, super validating. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Like, this is it. Like, I totally feel you. I'll help you. Whatever. It's just locked into your, locked into your mind.
1: Have you heard that saying, which is a really weird old saying. I don't even know if anyone has ever heard this before. You can't look a gift horse in the mouth.
0: I have never heard that. <laughs> what does that even mean?
1: I, I honestly don't even really know what it means, but I, I, I know what people mean by it when they say it. I, it's kind of like beggars can't be choosers. Oh,
0: Which I said to myself
1: all the time. Um, what does that mean? We should look that up beggars ba- be no choosers. no you we don't look a gift horse in the mouth mate i think that the idea is like you got a gift or you got this thing that's really awesome don't like don't like judge it or pull it apart or think like or you know like don't be all like picky about it or, or, right. or, or, or complain about it right i think right. that's that's that same idea of what you're talking about is your life you kind of get this thing that you've been working for and then it's like well how do i How do I? I almost just feel like I have to be, yeah, sunshine and rainbows every day because I finally got what I wanted so bad, Mm -hmm. which doesn't. It's not a very accurate way to live your life, you know. Right. It doesn't
0: mean that all those things that are hard about having kids just don't apply to you.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Like,
0: oh, you just gotta. That's scotch-free. It's like no, all those things that are hard just about motherhood in general. You know what I mean? Is still happening to you. Absolutely.
1: Right, which I think leads me to my thought is that what it feels like to move on after infertility is that we really bring a lot of our mindset that we have in infertility into the things that we move on Absolutely. into. Um, infertility is stressful. It's anxiety provoking. It's traumatizing. And a lot of times we are just getting beat up by it. Mm-hmm. But then when we move on, we bring a lot of those same feelings I've into into what we move on to, whether it's childlessness or um, adoption or you know, getting pregnant or, or whatever it is, whatever we've moved on to, we bring that same mindset and we're living with this infertility mind in whatever we've moved on to, which, which is not, um, it doesn't feel healthy. It doesn't feel good because we're, we are, we have those same, uh, anxious feelings that we're pouring into whatever we're doing next.
0: So Doug, how did that feel for you as a guy to move on? Yes. To move on.
1: Good question. I think for me, it felt kind of the same thing. Like it it was hard for me to break out of my IVF mindset that I had. I think during IVF, it was like, we we have to make this work. You know, and I've talked about that before. I was going to say a
0: desperation. I felt a desperation. Yeah, a little
1: bit. Yeah. I think Yeah. Um. if you want to hear me talk more about that, I did a, I talked to a guy named Matt Barnes. It was, you know, two guys talking about infertility, but we both kind of landed on that same sentiment that... There was this sense of like, I want to get the job done. That's a weird way to talk about it, but I it's kind of accurate. Yeah, Honestly, it was I would like, say that we want, like I wanted to get this done. Like I wanted to have you get what you wanted. I wanted to, for us to grow our family. I wanted to have a baby. Um, and then when we when we moved on to adoption and, and our son came, and it was like, okay, I've got it done. I had trained myself Mm -hmm. to be in this like get it done mentality Mm -hmm. and solve the problem that it was like, I I didn't know where to pour that. You know, I I had all this nervous energy about this one thing and we had finally gotten it. And it was like, I kind of then just like poured that into everything else in my life, Uh, my parenting, my relationship with you. It was like, I couldn't stop this monster that I had uh-huh. created within myself,
0: uh-huh. and then I feel like we you, that nervous energy and that desperation moved us on to wanting to adopt again. It followed totally, it like, continued. Yeah,
1: it was like it was like I couldn't un I couldn't unlearn what I had learned this nervous energy of like growing our family. Right. So then, then, that brought us into a bunch of situations that we should have just like not been in, you know, right. we should have just waited or, right. um, and, and things that we didn't need to be in. But since like we couldn't turn off that side of us, we kept going. Um, it really led us down, us down a, a bad road.
0: The amount of times that I have said the word infertility in the past 10 years of my life is probably a million. I can't <laughs> spell it worth crap, but I talk about it all the time. And now anyone tells me any sort of problem, any sort of issue. And I'm like, tell me about your infertility journey. Was like, did you have anything about this? And eight times out of 10, it's like, boom, something's there. So I was talking to someone the other day and she was talking about her kids and all this stuff. And then she just kind of casually mentioned that she had had two miscarriages Mm. before she had um, her children and her children are now teenagers. But it's interesting when she talked about those miscarriages, I could see the tears well up in her eyes. Yeah. And I didn't know if she was someone who was someone who cries all the time or is emotional. And it's so funny later in our conversation, she said, it's really interesting miscarriages and talking about my miscarriages is the only thing in my life that can make me cry at the drop of a hat.
1: Wow.
0: The only thing. And I was just like, wow i was just taken back by that thought of like this is exactly what we're talking about
1: yeah they're right so, now they're so personally painful those yes. experiences are so her painful. children
0: are teenagers and she had those miscarriages before she had her children it was a long time ago i would probably say 20 years ago and it can still bring a tear to her eye and it's the she said it's the only thing that yeah. can still make her cry at the drop of a hat
1: yeah i think it's something that lasts with us for a really long time. And I think that's what was at the heart behind this episode why we right. wanted to make this episode and talk about what it feels like to move on, what it feels like to, to kind of go to the next thing is that we see in our we saw in ourselves and we see in a lot of different people this this you know this idea that we learn something in infertility and then we as we move on, we don't ever unlearn it. We we keep the same energy that we had in infertility. In all these other aspects of our life going forward and you can be 50 60 70 and still living your life in the same stress and anxiety that you were that you had when you were going through infertility you know you're like your ivf week two even when you're 65 years old and that that can that can be for some people a, a really painful way to live because you're you're too anxious you're um, you, haven't, you haven't really emotionally moved on. Uh, right. these, uh, these traumatic events, these stressful events that you are going through right now are still with people years and years down the road. So we thought we got to talk about what it feels like to move on uh, because it feels like we're bringing in too much from the infertility world into what's next. So what do we do? How do we make that transition out? We think that's an important conversation.
0: And I thought, And it would be fair to probably say that I had no idea that that was my leftover infertility, Mm -hmm. even when I was in it. Mm -hmm. So I thought I checked the box. I got what I wanted. That season of my life is done. Yeah. That was really hard. And that was really sad. And I think back and I didn't like that. And you know, but I never realized until, and we've talked about this in multiple episodes. I never realized until how desperate I was to, you know, have more children and, you know, and and those feelings still remained. All those anxiety and depression. No, I wouldn't say depression. I would just say I was in a sad place. Mm-hmm. Um, is you know that they still remain. I didn't even realize that that was from my infertility. And
1: it's funny looking back. It's so obvious. Oh my gosh, it's that, so that obvious what, now. <laughs> that what we might as well the, had it on a t shirt. Yeah, the experiences that we had gone through really affected what came after for us it was it's just so obvious but when we were in the middle of it we were like no we're just moving on just moving on you know
0: <laughs> yeah totally before we move on to how we do this um i just wanted to say one thing is if you are currently pregnant and listening to this if you have children that you still belong here we still see you you still belong um it's just so sad. I feel like infertility robs you of so many things. And then when you finally, you know, get what you want, it also robs things where you don't feel like you can put up pregnancy announcements and you don't feel like you can be excited and you don't feel like you have this community anymore. And I uniquely needed Doug and I, we just don't want that for people. We want you to still feel like you are a part of it because what exactly we're talking about is you have stuff still. I mean, maybe not every single person that struggles with infertility has this story, but I would say probably most, you know, still have stuff from their infertility journey that they need to work out. And I think that's what almost by accident happens is, oh, you're done. You graduated. You got what you wanted. You're not going to feel any of those feelings anymore. And that's just not true. So you are still welcome here. You are still worthy of being excited because, you know, you should be, you should be excited and we're rooting for you.
1: So what happens when we want to move on to the next step? When we, When we are moving on in our journey, how do we do that really well? Because we don't want to, we don't want to just like send people away and like, well, you got pregnant, You are gone. Yeah, like you're you just gone. send them off into the universe. We want, it, we want people to stay around because the things that happened to him during infertility uh, during this season of their life still really very much so affect them. I think the idea for us and the reason, again, why we wanted to have this conversation is that we want people to, ha- to develop more habits of grieving what they've gone through and taking ownership of what comes next. Yes. Take grieving what they've gone through and taking ownership of what comes so next. So what
0: does that mean, Doug Brown?
1: I think grieving what they've been through is a sense of truly acknowledging the painful experiences that you've had and not just the, you know, the logistics of what you've gone through, but how it affected you, the pain that you have yes. from maybe miscarriage, the pain from failed transfers, the pain of embryos that didn't develop. All of that needs to be dealt with and looked at, needs to be faced needs to be grieved. And as you do that, and as your life and your story develops and you move on to what's next, it's truly taking ownership of what comes next, not just letting it happen to you or accepting it, but going from acceptance, going from like, I guess this is what's next to I'm really going to take ownership over. It. I'm going to grieve and you know really allow what's happened in the past to be sad and allow my pain to be seen so that I can take ownership over what comes next.
0: I think it's interesting because I look back and I think about our infertility journey and how desperate we were. And I look at how (laughs) the mistakes that we've made in our adoption journey and wanting to grow our family and now where I am. And if someone said, I'm going to pay for you to have another IVF, I don't think I would. Mm. Like I've so taken ownership of my new role and, and and I love my new role and I love who I am and I love what kind of mom I am and the kids I have that I look back and I go, isn't that interesting? And I think the only thing that I can see as I look back is I took ownership of every single area like and grieved every single area. I think that's an important thing, is grieved, like really took time to grieve what had happened to me, grieved that I couldn't have my own biological children, grieved our adoptions falling through, which was a really hard season for me and really growing for me. We talk about that in our adoption series and our podcast a few episodes back. So I think I realized that it's ownership and grief. And sometimes we can just look back and be like, and just look at it as grief and instead of ownership. (laughs) And that that is a part of our story. I think it's hand in
1: hand. Yeah. I think the skill for both of those things is really facing reality. You know, really looking at what happened is part of grieving, you know, Going back to the part of saying like, "Oh, this is the thing that, I, that hurt me so bad," and being soothed and, and, mm. and crying about it and letting people into it and mm-hmm. letting people care for you in that, and the same thing is true of ownership going forward, you know it's really addressing what you're in, you know it's not bringing IVF into adoption, it's not bringing you know the IUI you did into the pregnancy that you now have, or whatever' it's, it's, it's dealing with what you have in the present.
0: So Doug, what does ownership look like to you?
1: I have a funny story to share, uh, and I think it will hopefully help make sense of kind of the the direction of this podcast of what we're trying to help you see. Um, But it's the transition of me, Doug Brown, from high school to college. For me, I went to a junior college, like a community college, junior college type thing. Um, And for me, I was not ready to move on. I brought everything that was high school Doug Mm -hmm. into college Doug and college Doug failed completely. Um, When I first went to, my first year of a community college, I, I had a couple, I think I failed four classes, like four F's on my transcript.
0: Like not like, oh, you failed, like you got a D, like, f- like failed, Yeah,
1: and, and not like, oh, that class didn't work, so I dropped it. Like failed. you well, know, like, like tried and failed. Yeah, like <laughs> you got an F in this class. Yeah. Um, and it's because I was bringing my high schoolness into mm. my next thing. For Not me,
0: prepared, flying all over the place. Kind yeah,
1: of I, I barely passed high school. I didn't I was just unplugged. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my future. And I there was a lot of stress and anxiety that I had in my senior year. And I didn't really want to deal with the fact that I didn't know what to do with my life in high school. So I just kind of brought those same feelings into my my next year, into community college. So there I am sitting in my first year of junior college. Um, I haven't really dealt with my senior year and kind of this, these feelings I have of not knowing what I want to do next. And I'm sitting here in this junior college class and I'm in math and I've never been good at math. And the math teacher says, okay, everyone, we're going to take a five-minute break and Doug Brown, I want to see you in my office. I'm like, oh, great. You know, this awkward moment where, you know, why do you guys say it in front of the whole class? Yeah, like, exactly. you know, Doug, I want to see you. If everyone your name is knows. Doug Brown, report to my I'm like, oh, crap, I'm in trouble. So I go to our office and... Um, she says, Doug, you're not doing good in this class. I said, yeah, no, Doug, I haven't done anything in this class. But Would she that said, require work for me to do she well in this said, class? You know, you you could pull this out, you could pull this around, you know, like you could actually pass this class, but here's what I'm gonna need for you. I'm gonna need from you. Um, you gotta do all you know, homework is gotta be a no-brainer. Like you're you're turning in everything on time and you're you're really doing great. And I need you to get at least B's on each test, you know. But if you can get a tutor, if you can commit to the homework and you can truly commit to this class. I think you can do it. You could probably get a C. You know, you could you could just pass the thing. And I sat there thinking to myself, okay, I mean, yeah, I know I could do that. And so I, she goes, what do you think? You know, are you willing to commit? And and I said, yes. I was like, yes, of course. You know, it's yeah. An, what
0: are you supposed to say? Nah. It's <laughs> a no
1: brainer. Like I'm in, I'm a hundred percent into this class and you can count on me. Um, I will commit everything that i have to this class to make (laughs) sure that i pass she says okay why don't you head back get back to the class um the break's almost over i'll see you back class and i stand up grab my grab my books and i walk out the door and i have this moment where i go i can't do it i full panic and go i'm out (laughs) like a light switch shifted in my brain and thought I just lied to that woman. I'm not in at all. I don't care about this class at all. And all I want to do is get out and run away. So I think to myself, I got to get away. I have to run away from this situation. But I realized that if if I just walk slowly away from this class, the teacher will come out You know, the professor will come out of her office and think, where is Doug going? He's just walking away. So I think I have to get away from this situation as quickly as possible so that no one realizes that I'm gone. So I start to run and I sprint out of her class. (laughs) I sprint out of her office. Full speed, backpack on, just huffing and puffing. The whole class is outside, standing outside the class. Some people are like smoking, and there's this giant dirt hill at my at my community college. And I sprint down this dirt hill; dirt is flying. I'm like almost falling, and I run through the parking lot at 100 miles an hour. Jump in my car, start my car, and keel out of the parking lot at 100 miles an hour. I have no idea if she ever saw me. I have no idea what the other students thought. I have no idea, but all I can imagine is that the professor, as they walked back to the class, thought, "What on earth is he doing?" <laughs> I imagine the other students going, "What happened in that meeting?" Yes, because he just ran out at 100 miles an hour. The professor was probably like, "He just said he was in." Right. Like, Right. He said he committed. I think and the then funniest part he of... He sprinted away from my office.
0: I think the funniest part of that story is how I know you so well now, how you had convinced that lady that you were in 100% and you had <laughs> every intention in your mind of bolting
1: to your car. I was gone. I mean, <laughs> gone. I remember leaving. I was driving down the street laughing and trembling and going... What did I just do? Why did I I thought I can never go back to that school. Never go back. I can ne- I can never face that person again because <laughs> she would think what was that?
0: And isn't that when you took like a 5 year school hiatus?
1: <clears throat> and I that is where I freaked out. So I think the reason yeah. I share that story is if you don't deal with your past, right? you cannot commit to your future. Right. You know like mm. It's a funny story because, you know, I picture myself, you know, 19-year-old me just sprinting away, gangly, rolling down this hill, running away from my teacher who just wants me to do my homework. Like right. that's – it's right. humorous. But I think there's a, there's a huge truth within it in that I didn't really – I wasn't ready to move on. Like I wasn't ready to accept the fact that I was in college, accept that I needed to do all these things. It was like I was pushing it off and I was living with my high school mind – in now college, mm. and it didn't work. I was super unhappy. I wasn't passing classes, and it wasn't working for me. Like, I, mm-hmm. I it, it didn't feel right, mm-hmm. and, and the same is true. That's, that's just a true thing that happens throughout our life, And and the same thing happened again when I went from, you know, our infertility struggles into some of our adoption and trying to move on, right? Mm-hmm. It was like I had this... IVF mind that mm-hmm. I had brought into trying to do the adoption world and it did not work it mm-hmm. didn't feel right it mm-hmm. didn't uh we we got into a lot of bad situations and it wasn't right and it, and it took me i then had to go okay what do I want to do? Like what happened in my senior year where I just like didn't want to – I didn't know what I wanted to do, didn't know who I wanted to be. I had to deal with that first, which was like a level of grieving so that, that I could come back and go, this is what I wanted to do and so that I could fully commit. I had to deal with the reality in both of those things, what what happened in the past and what was happening in the future and, and in the, in my present.
0: And was so interesting knowing you now, you went and got your degree in philosophy and yeah, I, I went on, all your classes. Totally. You know
1: what I mean? When I came back, so I went to Europe for a while. And when I came yeah. back, it was like, okay, I'm ready to commit. I understand what the commitment looks like. I understand right. what I want to do. And then I went on and got, you know, I got a master's degree and, it, right. and, and, I, and I never failed another class. Right. But it was, I think the important part is I wasn't ready to make the transition. I wasn't grieving what had happened previously and I wasn't taking ownership. And I think that that's an example that helps us. And, and, and again, going back, it's the reason we wanted to make this episode was. Maybe you're not moving on yet. Maybe you're in the middle of an IVF cycle or, or you're, you're hoping to get pregnant or, or you're in the middle of it all. When you do move on, when, when, whenever moving on comes around, or whatever that looks like, if you don't truly grieve and, take and face that, these moments that you're in now and, and take reality for what it is when it comes up in the future, if you're not practicing those skills, you're going to be like me. Mm -hmm. Running away from Mm -hmm. your math teacher, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. sprinting down that hill going, I can't do this. You know, my mindset is not here. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for this.
0: Right, right. I think a big way that this plays out that is really not talked about is when you actually start parenting, when you've struggled with infertility for a while and you haven't grieved with it and haven't dealt with it. And I will tell you how it played out with me is our son was swimming in a pool, gotten a little thing with another kid. Um, our son was, head was being pushed down into the water. I threw my cell phone to my friend, ran in, jumped in, not ran, jumped in, got him. He cried for a while and it was totally fine. Right. I saved him. It was probably four seconds long where he was actually in fear. I saved my cell phone, which is always the biggest worry of people jumping in to save their kids. The biggest (laughs) problem was that he was a little scared and crying and I was soaking wet. That was it. My time after that, for weeks, nightmares, absolute nightmares. And what I just realized, nightmares um, and pleading, pleading with, honestly, God being like, nothing can happen to him.
1: Yeah, it, tr- it triggered oh, all my gosh. of everything from I have
0: never been more triggered in my life. I've, and at that point, we had really dealt with a lot of it. And, and we're in the process of grieving and taking ownership. But that was like everything fell on my shoulders. And that was a, Mm. I had nightmares forever. And I, and I remember telling you like something happened, something happened to me there. Like something happened to me. And, but I remember also saying, I think, and because we were on this journey of trying to take ownership and grieving, I went, I think it's my infertility talking. And that was one of the first times I ever said that was, I think that's my past. I Um, I
1: feel this way because of my past. I I feel this way because of my past.
0: Like it just didn't match. I saved him. It wasn't even that long. Yeah. Everything was fine. It been been was like, totally wow, really that's
1: fine. scary. Woof, that would have been so
0: good. Yeah, like it wasn't you know, like whoa, he whoa. was at the bottom
1: of the pool right. and I had to like <laughs> yeah, jump yeah, in and yeah. do
0: CPR and like yeah. do this thing. It's right. like, no, it was just a little tiny scuffle and it totally was dealt with and everything was fine. And he's not afraid of the pool. Literally. Right. It was yeah. everything was fine. But it was not fine. And I realized that that was like off. Something was off. I'm feeling so much bigger in this moment. I have so many more feelings, so much more anxiety, nightmares, dreams, consuming my mind of this, with this. And I just, that was the first time I realized, oh, this is not matching. This is not matching what actually happened. But... I think it was, we were kind of in the middle of our ownership. And that was the first time that I feel like I, mm-hmm. I said, I think that's my infertility talking. And how many times do we say that now?
1: Yeah, all the time. Yeah. We say
0: it all the time now, even on the other side or, you know, of our grief journey and taking ownership is it still can affect us. It still can be triggered. But I think if you have no idea that that is, that, that is maybe your infertility talking, that can really haunt you for a long time or can make you A hover parent or Mm. make you have anxiety everywhere they go or Mm -hmm. you know nothing can happen to them you know what I mean and it's like you really have no control you really have no control it can make you feel
1: stuck in that infertility mindset forever. yes yes even in your parenting or, or whatever you do yeah exactly so hopefully you hear our heart behind this episode is that we realize that what it feels like to move on in infertility is it feels like you're bringing infertility into whatever's next. That same mindset, that same stress, that same anxiety comes with you into what's next. Our hope for you is that you would truly deal with what's going on in your life right now. As you go through infertility, as you go through the stress, as you go through the anxiety, grieve it, deal with it, face it, look at it. And as you do that and then you move on to to what's next, as you move into the future, do that same thing truly look at and deal with what's reality and what the reality is of your current future by doing that by by grieving the past and taking ownership you can really deal with these things that we go through in infertility as you go into the future and then you can avoid you know like me you know avoid being me running away from my class because I I wasn't mentally ready to be there that same thing, you, you're not, you're not going to have to run away from your life as a parent or as someone who's just living or, or going on into adoption. You can really be in it. And that's what we would want for everyone is to be in it and be the healthiest version of you, truly plugged into what you're doing, truly plugged into what your life looks like and really taking ownership of that new identity.
0: I never would have thought our son having a little scuffle at a pool that later down the line, I'd be grieving that I couldn't have kids. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That's not funny, but it's like, but it's like, I never would have thought about that. I never would have thought how those would be connected. That's actually what I really needed to grieve. So him having a scuffle at a pool, I really needed to go back and grieve that I couldn't have my own kids. And that's really where the pain was.
1: Right, yeah. And because you, you can't just you can't just shove it all down, you know? Right. You can't go through all of this that we go through in infertility. And then at the end of it, when you're ready to move on, maybe you do get pregnant or whatever it is, just go, let me just and just shove all of it down and say like, well, now I can live in the future. <laughs> it's right. just going to, you're going to barf it up constantly, right. you know? Um, so that's what, it's dealing with it. Dealing with that and then taking ownership of your future. That's what we want for you.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this episode um, is helpful. I think it's something that it's like, I feel like we always cover topics that like aren't talked about, but it's like, I feel like this one in particularly is not talked about and it can lead to isolation. It's like a double form of isolation. Infertility can already make you isolated and then moving on can make you feel even more isolated. So we hope that we can give you tools to have that not happen?
1: And this is a long process, right? Learning it's how to do this is a long process, and it, and it takes a lot of education. It takes a lot of community. Yeah, we have um, we have some exciting news coming up soon yes. about education, about community. Um, we're super passionate about this idea about uh, the mental health side of infertility and that it just doesn't just get better. Um, these things don't just go away. Um, and you have to really commit to being a growing person and doing that in community. And we have some exciting news coming up soon. So yeah, stay, stay tuned. tuned. If you've made it this far in the podcast, that means you are, you're massive fans you're of us. You're a super fan. You're a super fan. You should at get this a point. star. We should send you a t-shirt.
0: Yeah, this is super fan. Also No, but it
1: means that it means that we're connected and we want to just continue to tell tell you guys about super exciting things that we're doing.
0: Yes. And one thing to point is there's a big thing happening in, you know, America right now which right. is in Texas and we just wanted to pause and take a moment and say that we are thinking of everyone there. Oh my gosh, some of the most saddest things I've seen
1: yeah, it started almost as like this, like, oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Texas is cold. And then these horrible stories started to pour out yes. about how people were dying yes. and how... It's the, the infrastructure has completely crumbled. Um, and it's just so tragic and people need help and they're hurting. Right. And we encourage you to, if you have the means to jump in and try to help.
0: Yes. Yes. One of the places that we gave was Chip and Joanna Gaines are, um, doing a fundraiser for, um, supplies. And so we gave there, but I feel like there's so many places, so many things, look them up. Um, and anyone that is in that right now, we are with you. Uh, I mean I wish I was with you just to give can't you blankets. Believe, I can't believe I, it. Yeah. Yeah, I just I'm I my heart is hurting for people that are hurting right now.
1: So thank you so much for listening to yeah. this episode of the Infertility Feelings podcast. We'll be back next week and we are so grateful for you. If you like this episode or if you're a fan of the Infertility Feelings podcast or Uniquely Knitted, Subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a review. That would help so much. Thank you. Have a great week.
0: And if you have listened up to this point, you are a super super fan.
1: Super super fan. See and you if next you're week. honestly, if you're still listening, <laughs> that means you want more. Yeah. Maybe we should just keep going. Yes.
0: Maybe we should just talk just about what we'll round eat. two. That's right. What we <laughs> eat for breakfast this morning? Because people want to know that.
1: No, I don't. Actually, I didn't eat breakfast. I know. We should go eat. You should go eat. I should go eat. Have a great week, everyone. Yep.